Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is your host, Jim Ventura. And uh, again, welcome to the show. If it is your first time tuning in to Snake Oil Radio, let me tell you a little bit about me and uh, what the show is all about. Um, again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a uh, what I like to call a navigational consultant. I'm also an author and a uh, blog columnist and uh, a teacher as well, uh, and, and a radio show host. Uh, I have been doing a column uh, since about 2003 called Snake Oil. Uh, the column goes out once a month. It's free to subscribers. If you're not already getting my column, feel free to move, uh, email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com or VenturaWords at Mac.com, and uh, I'll add you to the free mailing list for the monthly column. Uh, the purpose of the show, of course, is I call the show Snake Oil, uh, and uh, it's kind of a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke that came up some years ago when uh, a few people decided to call me a snake oil salesman, <laughs> so I decided to run with the idea in that sense as well. I am a navigational consultant, uh, which means that uh, my skills are in a number of different types of oracles. I read uh, Tarot. And uh, I'm an astrologer and a numerologist, and I work with rune stones and angel cards and uh, druid animal cards, quite a few things. In fact, I think we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of those things today on the show. Uh, this, uh, I have a couple of different formats for the, for the weekly show that I do. Uh, today's show is kind of a, a listener's choice show, so uh, in a little while I am going to uh, pop up the guest call-in number. And if you have um, uh, a question, a uh, comment, if there's something, a uh, metaphysical subject you want to ask me about, you're able to do that. In fact, you also uh, are absolutely welcome to call in in a little bit and even ask a personal question if you want me to pull a card or two or something for you. Or, uh, I do do a little five-minute mini-readings. We're going to do that. I'm going to put the phone lines up and open that up in about 20 minutes or so, uh, a little bit about halfway into the show. So again, welcome anybody joining me today. Um, I know uh, sometimes we get lots of calls, sometimes we don't get very many at all, but uh, I always enjoy uh, talking about uh, various subjects, and I know that a large part of my listening audience listens to me on archive. Uh, eventually, I'm going to uh, get a probably a little bit of a later talk show time, which might help some more people to tune in, because uh, I know a lot of people are at work generally when I run the show. Anyway, uh, a couple other things I want to mention, and we'll, we'll kind of start, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up a subject and we'll start working with it here. Um, if you're, uh, again, if you're not already getting my, my monthly column, it is free and it's blind copied, meaning no one will ever get your email address from me, so you can get that info on the website. I'm also an author. Uh, I published my first book called Dirty Little Secrets uh, a couple of years back. That is a self-published work. And you can find Dirty Little Secrets by Jim Ventura on Amazon.com. So if you order it there, or you can uh, contact me through my web links, and I can get you a copy. In fact, I can get you a signed copy. I also have the book out on an audio uh, listening cassette as well, too, if you don't want to read and you just want to be able to listen to uh, broadcast of the stories themselves. 
um, good book, uh, a lot about relationships and, and spirituality and metaphysics, and also um, a book with a lot of humor to it, uh, which is one of my uh, notorious uh, elements and to what I am. So anyway, all right, all of that said, uh, also, of course, I'm available for private appointments. You could email me and ask for times when I could do uh, in-person sessions here in Phoenix, but of course, most people are not in Phoenix, so we do do uh, I do do the phone sessions, and uh, you know I just record them on audio cassette, and uh, you can get a list of prices and different types of sessions directly at my website at web.mac.com/venturawords. Okay, enough of the sales stuff. Uh, time to move on and begin to talk a little bit about. Um, some things today, and like I said, in just another probably 10 minutes or so, I'm actually going to open up the phone lines and see if uh, anybody wants to call in. Otherwise, I will uh, always kind of take and just run with the subject. So one of the things that is uh, always interesting about this time of year is we have uh, a couple of days ago was the, um, the, uh, the summer solstice, uh, uh, June 21st, uh, I think they call it. I don't know if it's the longest day of the year, or it's, I don't think it's actually physically longer. I think it's the longest amount of daylight, I believe, is what um, that uh, particular day is about in that sense. Much of this, of course, comes from, from uh, Druid um, uh, teachings as well, too, about the different times of the year um, that are, are very significant, that act kind of as markers. So uh, when when we look at there's, there's a number of different points in the in the Druid calendar that represent um, different elements within the world and the human psyche, and uh, the spring equinox is actually um, on on March 21st. Um, they call that the reception of wisdom. And then we have on May 1st we have the Beltane, which is associated with the lovers. Um, and early youth in the Druid tradition. Um, that's why a lot of times there's sort of an association with spring and spring being a time of lovers. Um, the summer solstice is the time of expression. Uh, very, very significant. It relates to um, early womanhood, uh, you know, uh, and that element of expression within us in that sense. But it is a time of expression. It actually is considered sort of an, an auspicious time of, of being able to kind of juggle and do a dance between uh, a recognition of our, our dreams and our hopes and being able to express those and finding a way to bring them into the tangible world. So uh, very, very uh, you know, significant to kind of recognize that dynamic that operates that urge to, and everyone always has hopes and dreams and things they'd like to see for themselves, and this is a time of year where there's a benefit in, in expressing those things, but by being able to do it at the same time in a, in a practical, tangible kind of a way. Now, uh, you know, it, it's, it's I, I don't know, where I, grew, I originally grew up in New York, and uh, I always loved the summer, of course, because for the most part, especially uh, this time of year, it was really nice. Uh, you know, I've been in Phoenix for about 20 years now, and I love Phoenix, but summer and this time of year can be a little bit tough. Um, I believe the temperature here in Phoenix right now is, I'll give you a little bit of a drum roll here if you're not a local. Uh, I'm waiting for it to come up, but I think it's probably about, yes, we're getting the magical 109 here. <laughs> so 
so uh, not exactly the uh, you know the weather you want to go out and dance in in that sense. And of course, very very sunny. Um, yeah, we get very very hot this time of year. You know, fortunately, I am in an air conditioned home, so it's not like I'm I'm leaning out a window with an iced tea, waiting for desperately waiting for a breeze to come by. So none of that is going on here. In that sense, uh, there is, uh, like I said, everything here is kind of air conditioned. It's probably one of the reasons why the West grew as, as radically as it did. Uh, you know, uh, because we we did add this element of uh, the loveliness of, of air conditioning in that sense. But uh, I want to mention I had a kind of an interesting week myself, uh, and I'll prelude into this, and then I'll and then I said I'll throw up a call-in number in case any of the listening audience would like to uh, call in. But last week, uh, one of the oracles that I work with that I uh, very much uh, enjoy working with and I've worked with for many, many years are Viking rune stones. Talk a little bit about the rune stones um, as well as talking about my personal experiences with them. Um, in fact, one of the things I suggest to many people, uh, a lot of times when people are looking to learn uh, personally how to read oracles for themselves, the most common thing people will do is they'll often uh, begin to study astrology or um, tarot for a specific type of an oracle in those terms. Uh, astrology, of course, is tremendously complex, but it is something that I think most people can learn, uh, even though you could study it forever and, and keep getting layer upon layer of information and, and new kind of interesting stuff that can come through studying astrology. But, you know, the tarot itself is actually probably one of the more difficult oracles to work with and, and to master. So it's kind of one of the things I often will, will tell people that um, you know, it's really common for people to buy a direct of, deck of tarot cards and to, to try reading them and then get a little bit frustrated in some respects because it's difficult for them to interpret the cards or um, you know they have a tough time finding the right books that will help with uh, healthy, healthy interpretations. So the analogy they use for this is like if you're looking at learning how to use an oracle, um, Tarot is kind of like uh, skipping addition and subtraction in mathematics and jumping to algebra or geometry. Uh, so it, it, it's, a, it's a tougher oracle to learn how to use, an awesome one and very detailed and, and very thorough, but again, a, a little tougher for many people to, to learn how to use. I bring this up because runestones are another type of oracle. They were uh, Viking runestones, of course. And um, the Vikings used them as a navigational aid. I actually picked them up myself when I was probably maybe 22 or so. Uh, so that would have been just a few years ago, actually more like about 23, 24 years ago. Uh, so I've used them for a long time. What I find about the runes is, you know, runes are easy to work with because there really is technically only 25 of them in most, uh, most uh, modern sets. So... The tarot has 78 cards, and then you have 78 reverse meanings to those cards. That's a lot of different interpretations to be aware of, whereas only maybe at best half of the runes have reverse interpretations to them. Um, so we're looking at just smaller numbers. But the Vikings um, use them again as a navigational aid, so the idea would be whenever you're considering a course of action, or how you should proceed, the runes would help you to navigate in that sense um, and know uh, where to put your energy and how to maneuver and how to technically you know, play it. So 
Uh, one of the things I like about them is they're so direct that way. They kind of tell you what you need to do. You know, sometimes the message isn't exactly something that you want to jump up and down about in that sense. Um, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult, but uh, more often than not, even in the difficulty, there is um, always kind of a wisdom and an awareness. You know, sometimes not taking action is the answer. Sometimes you have to know when to take action or to do it appropriately in that sense. So uh, my personal story is, um, you know, last week I had pulled a runestone for myself for the week or so, and I just asked what the navigation was, and it had come up the rune of possessions, upright, which typically means kind of a positive period, sometimes love fulfilled, rewards received, abundance, prosperity, a feeling of things going well in that sense. And, of course, it also, in in the passage by the absolutely awesome book by Ralph Blum, who does probably the best rune interpretation book I've ever seen, uh, Ralph Blum, uh, uh, he he says rather than kind of wealth and possessions, um, uh, requiring and needing wealth and possessions, one should understand the the wisdom of uh, and the need for the growth of a will. In other words, the decisiveness, the ability to say, this is the way I want it to go, this is what I need to do in that sense. So that was my rune for last week, and I had to laugh because from an astrological angle, last week was a tough week for a lot of people. There was, I believe there was an eclipse, there was a few astrological things that definitely operated and created a few triggers for people, um, and uh, me included. I, I had really a very, very difficult week. Uh, I had a number of clients that were behind in payments, and um, uh, things had been tight for a week or two at a financial level, and I was running a, a promotion with a new company, um, but I didn't think that that would even run for a number of weeks, so there was a v- really a feeling of frustration that I was dealing with. I even had a friend that had called me, and she asked me if I wanted to come over to her house for dinner, and I actually had to say no because I was um, I didn't have gas in the car. I needed. She lives like you know a 40 minute drive each way, and I uh, I just didn't even have any cash. I mean it was a very very uh, you know uh, tight week in that sense. So it was particularly frustrating to me at multiple levels. So I think the quandary that that I was sort of in was I'm looking at this rune which in essence is saying, you know, this is a time of prosperity and all of those things. And I'm like, yeah, but uh, it's wrong. So lo and behold, you know, I, you know, it's something I learned a long time ago that I'll get to as well, too, in a minute. But uh, the, uh, you know, the weekend w- was okay. I had a few appointments, and, and I, you know, it kind of got by over the weekend in that sense. And then Monday, this promotion that I was going to run that I'd set up the week before, um, they ran it on, on this Monday. And what's funny is I had not anticipated them doing that. I thought there was a waiting list for them to do this. So anyway, they ran the promotion on Monday, and the promotion for my business sold so well that I actually literally made $1,100 in one day. And, um, of course, it's going to involve a lot of sessions and a lot of work in the future, but in terms of the the gift things that they were selling for my services, I, I made quite a bit of money. And I had to laugh because, I mean, talk about a radical turnaround. Now, of course, I have been bombarded with new clients that are calling, and I'm very, very busy again all of a sudden. So very, very funny because the rune was right. You know, there was just an issue of patience. But I think at, at, at the deeper level, and it really um, was about me getting that decisive 
in that way, that it was time for me to do what I had to do to be successful, that, that we, I was not going to uh, worry anymore. I was going to just do what was necessary, even if it meant working at a lower hourly rate, which is what these things basically imply for me. Um, so again, that willfulness, that decisiveness in that sense in terms of how it's going to go. Now, when it comes to money finances, that can be good. Sometimes I'd say to people, be careful about that in a relationship or something. You know, sometimes I, I get clients that are, they want their boyfriend to ask them to marry them or they want something, and, and you have to be careful with that kind of willfulness in relation to other human beings' behavior because uh, that can come through as manipulation or control and not letting someone kind of operate within their own, um, their own uh, natural rhythms in that sense. So anyway, so things did work out very, very, very well in that respect. So again, uh, I had to look at that as a blessing. Again, it was just a few days off kilter from what the rune had kind of uh, been talking about, but certainly accurate. Okay, that said, I want to throw the phone number up here in case anyone's listening live who wants to call in. Uh, no one's required to. I'm going to continue on this subject and branch into a few others. Um, I always do the show to... to uh, I give people some insight um, into their own lives and into different metaphysical subjects and categories. So uh, we'll take the rest of our uh, about 25 minutes of the show to do that uh, unless we get a couple of callers. So let me throw that call in, guest call-in number in. The call-in number here is 646-200-3966. Again, that's 646-200-3966. And if you have a question, metaphysical question or even um, your own personal thing that you'd like to ask about, I can do a little five-minute poll for you. I, I kind of keep them short because um, sometimes I get uh, multiple calls at once, but um, we can always give you a little bit of quick insight into things if you'd like uh, have a question to ask. Um, by the way, you may need to uh, dial a one uh, before you make that call on your phone uh, Anyway, so again, it's 646-200-3966. So we'll wait to see if there's any callers. Uh, I know a lot of times I have guests that listen and just don't really want to call in, and that's absolutely great. So if that's the case, we're going to keep on this subject for a little bit as well, too, and branch into a few others. So again, I was talking a little bit about the runes, and um, one of the things that I also, you know, one of the things that I like to tell people, and this is actually an interesting dynamic that's even expressed within one of the runes, one of the rune stones themselves is called the rune. It's called Nothez, which I might be mispronouncing, but um, N-A-U-T-H-I-Z. And Nothez is the rune of constraint. Um, Ralph Blum, in his interpretation, calls it the rune of uh, pain, necessity, limitations. And it's very interesting because one of the, the dynamics behind that rune is he often uses the expression that sometimes we have to kind of... Um, like when ships go to can't can't go can't go to sea because the weather conditions are bad, they repair nets. They take advantage of the the negative at some level. So uh, one of the things about that rune that he expresses is he even says in, in its reverse position. This is one of the messages that he talks about. He says often at the point of greatest darkness in our life, do we recognize and become aware of the true creative powers of the self. So, you know, everybody can, can identify with um, the addict in the more extreme example of this 
who who wakes up and smells the proverbial coffee one day about what they're doing in their life and that recognition that they are an addict and and that they're you know they're caught in this darkness and they need to make these changes. Um, but I think it, you know it's by the same token, we all you know we all we're all not necessarily addicts in that sense. Um, but I think that we do uh, sometimes become addicted to fear and negative thoughts and negative programming and things that we were taught about ourselves or difficulties or phobias and things of that nature. So um, I think that that's actually really common for most people, that people have different areas where they can feel really stuck or really blocked. Or, you know, I was talking to a client today who was um, ever so eloquently telling me that she had met somebody new and she really liked him, but her past was littered with men who were um, having financial issues and struggles, and this guy that she met had quit his job and had run away from a number of uh, uh, his home and a number of other things to restart his life in that sense and was kind of broke. So while she was really drawn there, she was a little nervous in that sense because she was phobic about these old patterns that she had in that sense. So again, I use that as an even a better example maybe than the addiction energy in the first place. But again, it's kind of an analogy. You know, it's uh, you know when you, you think of that person who's who's you know snorting cocaine or something like that, and then they just wake up and go, "What am I doing? I, I mean, this is horrible. I'm 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 losing my money, my home, over this." So that's a more extreme example. But again, it kind of brings up that energy pattern that I'm really trying to get everyone who's listening to have an understanding of. We all go through this in, in different ways and in, in different degrees. Um, I haven't had too many major addictions in my life. About 10, 11 years ago, I did actually have a gambling addiction for a while. And I remember uh, I, was, I was going further into debt because I was um, in debt and felt I'd win money that would get me out of debt. And that was funny. That, that became the addiction. That was what, what was the thing that was driving me in that sense, was this uh, this urge, this, this hope, this idea that I, you know, if I just won big enough money, I could pay off all this debt. Well, of course, that never happened, and the debt just increased. And uh, it's funny because I, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, who have gone through this. Um, I had a friend at the time who also had the same issue. Uh, he quit gambling and he never gambled again, and he went to Gambles Anonymous. I actually, once I figured out what the issue was, I was actually to work through it myself. In fact, I actually still gamble. I just do it really pragmatically and really frugally. I mean, I don't gamble very high amounts of money. I do it as play. I'm not really doing it to try to necessarily win. It's just to play. In fact, I use a lot of comps and all kinds of things. In fact, I'm actually going to be doing another radio show soon about teaching people how to use casino comps and how to gamble for next to nothing, which is something that I've actually kind of mastered over the years. But the approach completely changed for me. It, it, it was no more longer an addiction around um, that I was going to win big and it was going to get me out of debt. I got rid of all that illusion. I, I locked into the idea of, you know, if I can spend 50 bucks in four hours of fun play and I have a drink or two or a cup of coffee and I smoke a cigar, I enjoy it, it doesn't cost me a lot of money and I have a good time and sometimes I actually win. Um, so that was actually one of the ways I dealt with an addiction that, that I had had. But um, there have been a couple of times when I've had some addictions in my younger years, but most of the time I usually kind of figured it out and made the change. Um, 
the point that I'm getting at this at with this is, you know, like what he's talking about in the rune, that often at the point of greatest darkness do we become aware of the true creative powers of the self. Sometimes, guys, you have to go through a process where you're really scared or you're kind of on the edge in that sense um, of, of things falling apart or your deepest fears feel like they're potentially going to manifest or the very thing you've been scared of all your life is now in front of your face in that sense. What I always try to tell people, and this is what I've done over years and years of counseling, is recognize it's really hard sometimes to do this when you're going through it because our lower self, our lower chakras, the fear elements are, are so overwhelming when we're, we're encountering something we're so afraid of. But um, the thing is, often during those periods, we've reached that low point and we can only really go up from there in that sense. We often become aware of what we need to do what we need to change. We often become aware of a new decisiveness, uh, where we need to put our energy, or we look fear in the face and realize that it's nothing, that the thing that we feared the most is, is meaningless. You know, I know so many people uh, over the years, you know, that I've talked to, even in my counseling work, of course, the, the largest brunt of the people I've counseled have been women, and um, I'd probably say 85 to 90% are, are women. And, you know, it makes sense. Women are more inclined to do self-examination, to want to understand themselves. Men sometimes can be uncomfortable with that. Not all men, by, by, by any means. And then, of course, there's many women that are uncomfortable with it, too. But just as a general rule, there's a difference in, in, in the way people perceive things. And women, in, in general, are often more open to this type of dynamic. So... You know, one of the uh, the things that I know many, many women I've encountered over the years of counseling work have dealt with, of course, is this tremendous fear of being alone. And what if you don't find someone? And what if you don't, um, you know, uh, what if you don't get married? And what if it doesn't work out? And what if you, you know, and, and what if your marriage doesn't work out? Or what if, what if your boyfriend leaves you? All of these things that are that can be so common for human beings about the fear of being alone. But what's so interesting is, you know, 98% of, of everyone I've ever known who has um, feared that, when they actually had the experience, actually ended up being happy. They enjoyed the alone time. They realized in many cases it was temporary or it was necessary or that they had been so afraid of being alone that they really hadn't gotten the time to know themselves, to, to love themselves, to get comfortable with who they were. Um, their identities were often entwined with someone else in that sense. So, again, you know, it's funny because the very thing that, that people are so fearful of often when embraced and when encountered is frees you and breaks the hold of that fear, often in your life permanently in some respects. Um, what I was going through myself last week was I really I was kind of blown away that, you know, for the most part I've been successful in my life and here I was going through this period of extremely, you know, extremely unsuccessful time. And, you know, I had been doing so much work to promote my business and, and other things and I just was like, I mean, what am I doing wrong here? I mean, this is like, I mean, what bill can I now not pay? You know what I mean? That type of thing. Where, where else can I default or get in? You know what I mean? Like, you know, all the things I was taught never to do were kind of staring me in the face. So it was such a weird kind of a scary type of an energy to go through. And, um, 
you know, I mean, thoughts run through your head about, you know, just wanting to run away and, and escape from it all in that sense as well. But it's funny because I knew that that pattern that, that I have so um, frequently talked about with my clients as well as on the show, the patterning, of course, is um, that real recognition that I knew that this really dark period was going to be followed by a really light period, that something good was going to happen. I just couldn't see it yet. And I was really feeling that sense of panic. But I know from my own patterning that these these dark, difficult periods always lead to something positive. Now, here's the thing I want to mention, because um, I think this is really, really important for, for everybody to consider. Um, reality, guys, is... In life, and, and, and this is a formula that I'm telling you, holds true probably 99% of the time. Uh, you can catch my mathematical head here. Uh, a lot of times I do things in mathematical quotes. That's even when I, when I gamble. Everything is a mathematical computation. I, I'm just actually a fanatic for mathematics. I think that's where my skill in numerology and astrology also have come from is this love of math. Uh, but this formula that I'm talking about, is um, that in life, when you're right on the verge of a success, when you're about to be successful, when you're, getting, when you're about to fall in love, when you're about to get a new amazing job, when you're about to lose weight and, and begin to take care of your body, when you're about to shift gears, when you're about to start a new phase in your life, what will often happen for people is right before that, that shift is about to occur, you'll go through... Very commonly, you'll go through this fear pattern where all the fears come to surface at one time. All those feelings of powerlessness and what if this isn't the right thing and is this really going to happen and do I have the ability and the skill to do it? And all these fears will come to surface in that sense. And the problem is if the fears win and take over and one becomes um, consumed with fear, and is not able to, to trust the process, to let go, to know that things are going to be okay, to kind of pass it, you know, uh, you know that, that process of, of giving it to your higher self or asking for angelic help, you know, that ability to, you know, let go and let God, so to speak. When people don't do that and, and cling tenaciously to the belief that they're always victimized and that nothing ever works out for them, um, in many cases, they stop the next good thing that's about to come, and they block it from happening. This is why, statistically, most people, again, who are on the verge of success in whatever capacity, often don't reach it because of this pattern of the fear really kind of tenaciously bringing itself in and holding so tight to um, to another uh, to 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 who you are, you know, fear itself is kind of like a leech. It lives off of you, but in and of itself, it has no life. Um, in fact, there are seven human primary human fears that people have. Uh, let me run through those real quick because I think it will give you guys some good insight to consider as well. Um, the seven fears are impatience, the fear of missing out, um, martyrdom, the fear of being victimized. Uh, self-deprecation, uh, a fear of inadequacy, um, arrogance, a fear of vulnerability, um, greed, a fear of lack, uh, self-destruction, a fear of lack of control, 
and stubbornness, which is a fear of change. Now, everyone has at least one of these primary fears in that sense. And this is the thing I always tell people. Um, in fact, it's a session that I do. I work with people on how to break through these fear patterns. Um, you know, the reality of it is, is, in and of itself, you're not born with these fears. People are not born stubborn. They're not born um, greedy. They're not, you know, that's one of the reasons people, I think, love to hold babies. Um, not, and there's also other benefits to holding babies, of course. But I think the reason people love and enjoy the energy of, of babies is because they're not, they're fearless. It's pure love. I mean, in many ways you see a somewhat similar dynamic with puppies and kittens and things of, and just baby animals in general also. But push, uh, baby humans are even more stronger in that purity still in that sense. So the good news is the fears come later. They hook in during our childhoods, especially during the teen years. In fact, for most people, their primary fears, fear will lock in around the age of you know, 16, 17, 18 is when it's most common for it to lock. That's why teenagers can be kind of obnoxious because many times they're playing with the different fears. One week they're impatient, the next week they're greedy. Then they're self-destructive. Then they're arrogant. Then, oh, God. You know what I mean? It's because they're almost playing with the different fears to see which one they'll lock in on. So good news is, those fears are not who you are. They are, again, they're leeches or, or kind of uh, they suck the life force out of you. And they often will mask themselves as really um, rational, logical thought in that sense. But you can always tell when fear is present when there's a sense of dread. Uh, that's my magic word for recognition of, 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 of chief negative feature or fear in that sense is when you can sort of smell that dread so that said, um, we all, most people have one primary fear and then a backup fear. Some people have more than others. Some people have lighter versions of them. A person can be mildly impatient or a person can be psycho impatient. <laughs> if someone could be mildly arrogant, which would come across as being very proud, um, or uh, they could be painfully arrogant, which can come across as excruciatingly cocky in that sense. So... In either case, um, with any of these fears, again, I remind everyone that they are not who you are. They're added commodities that you picked up along the way, which also is the, the beauty of how they can be tamed and how you can free yourself from it. Because once you recognize what they are, in fact, I work with many clients on what I call chief negative feature work, and um, one of the things that I teach my clients is after identifying what the fear is, um, the next course of it is to photograph it, to become conscious of its influence, to recognize when it is taking over your personality, when it is an influence. Believe it or not, the photographing of fear, the chief negative feature, the recognition of it and photographing it alone eliminates probably 50% of it because you become conscious of what the enemy is. I'll give you another great example of this. Uh, I've got a few more minutes to talk here. It looks like we don't have any callers today, so I'll continue on with this subject. You know, an example of this is stubbornness, probably the more, most common of the, of the fears or chief negative features, is basically a fear of change. And uh, in a nutshell, um, the patterning behind this is usually pretty typical. Um, children um, develop stubbornness when they're not prepared for life's changes. Uh, you know, parents will suddenly decide they're going to move, and they don't tell the kids. We don't include the kids in on the decision. And then, of course, later on in life, these kids develop an irrational fear around it or they, their parents break up and there was no warning 
or again, they're moved or they're changed schools. You know, typically, uh, this is what was very much a patterning cause behind stubbornness. It becomes kind of an irrational fear of any type of change later on. So stubborn people will often tenaciously hold on to something, even if it's terrible, just as opposed to changing it. I mean, I once I've had this happen a number of times. I've had clients who've said things to me like, you know, my wife wants a divorce. And um, I'd say something like, well, you know, how do you feel about that? Well, I don't really want to be with her anyway. I don't even, you know, I mean, I love her still, but I can't stand her. But I'll be damned if, she, if she's going to get a divorce out of me. I'm always like, or you could maybe start to think about maybe that is the answer. Maybe you don't want to be together. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe you should look into working it out. But if she's absolutely resistant to it, you know, you might want to consider leaving it. You know, I've, I've even had the same thing with people saying that they hate their job with every fiber of the being, but they're going to stay there at least six more years uh, because they want to get their retirement benefits. So they, you know, even though they can't stand it, they'd rather do that than deal with getting a new job. And I always find that very fascinating, only because I actually don't have stubbornness myself. I never had it. I don't have the patterning behind it. I can be uh, obstinate in, in other ways, um, but as a general rule, it's actually not really based on a fear of change for me. Um, my, my chief negative features that, have, that I've worked through much of, but there's always remnants of it, have uh, been arrogance and impatience in my life. So, but again, it's funny with the stubbornness because, again, it will sort of tenaciously cling to its position no matter what, even because it's really a deep-seated fear of making a change. The positive pole or aspect of stubbornness, of course, is determination, but its negative pole is obstinacy. Um, and again, you'll, a lot of people who develop this, they, they'll talk about, you know, they remember that scene when they were a kid and they wouldn't eat their um, lima beans. And the mother or father made them sit at the table, and you're going to eat those lima beans. And the child sat there for three hours and just didn't eat until the parents finally gave up and said, all right, just go to bed. But you're not going to eat those lima beans. <laughs> so that becomes this sort of irrational thing that, that could come through even as an adult because it never necessarily goes away. This, that no one's going to make me do something I don't want to do. Uh, meanwhile, you know, uh, the parents are at fault in that respect, of course, because it's dumb to obsessively force a child and create this fear in the first place. And then um, the child is, of course, being a little ridiculous because, you know, eat a couple of lima beans. I mean, even if you don't like them, it'll, you could just, you know, I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe you need to try it, you know. Eat a couple of them and then, you know, like I said, make another decision about it. Sometimes there's that, that tenacity in children, but it's a little more understandable when it comes from kids. A little scarier when it comes from adults. But anyway, I think that, you know, one of the things that I kind of want to finish with, I, I think we're going to sign off the show in just a couple of minutes here, um, one of the things that I want to finish with for, uh, to bring up for everyone who, who listens, is listening to this live, who catches uh, this in, in, the, uh, in the archives, um, is, you know, this is the time of uh, the summer solstice, guys. So it's a time of expression. You're able to really, really put what you'd like into the world, but again, you need to also do it in a tangible way. But a lot of times, you know, I like to remind people that you have to often really clarify what you want to the universe, and even to the people around you in that sense. That's the purpose of expression, the ability to express and say what you want and be open to, to receiving that then. 
And then, of course, recognize that if there are any difficulties along the way, more often than not, these are really a result of fear or this chief negative feature energy that is controlling you. And it, it's sort of like the other devil on the back. It's a liar. It's not real, but it will convince you that it is in order to, to block your progress. So here's hoping for all of my listeners and all of my clients that the summer is an abundant and prosperous and expressive one. Uh, Okay, I'm going to sign up for today. I'll be back again next week. Um, next week also uh, will be another um, viewer's, uh, listener's choice. So if you catch the show uh, next week, feel free to call in or uh, hop in the chat room with a comment or a question, even if you want to ask for a little five-minute mini-reading. I'm good with that, um, and we'll, we'll see where the direction of the show goes. Um, uh, the first of the month, uh, the first show of the month, the first Thursday of the month, is always my column read where I read my current column on air. And then the brunt of the show, I talk about that specific subject, although I'll always leave about 10 or 15 minutes for personal uh, questions in, the, in that show. But I primarily like to talk about the column um, uh, for my first of each month show. And then the second show, of course, is um, our uh, interview show. And next month I will be interviewing an acupuncturist who also does um, facial rejuvenation, some very cool stuff here in Phoenix that you'll get to talk about. So we've only got a couple more minutes, so I am going to uh, sign out and say uh, uh, thank you all for tuning in today. Uh, this is Jim Ventura. If you're not already uh, receiving my mon monthly column, uh, it's free, guys. Just email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com or at VenturaWords at Mac.com. And uh, we'll get you on the mailing list so you can check out uh, my monthly column. You're basically getting to read my books before they're published. Uh, in fact, Snake Oil Volume 1 will be published in the uh, fall or winter of 2011. It might be as early as two, uh, beginning of 2012, but uh, within less than a year I'll have that book out and published and available. And again, check out my other book, Dirty Little Secrets, available on Amazon, or you can get it through my website. Um, information about private sessions also on uh, the web link. So check that out. And again, I'll be here again next week. Thank you for tuning in to Snake Oil Radio. Uh, this is Jim Ventura. Everybody have a great day and a great night, and enjoy the summer. Cheers. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.